Hey everybody, it's me, Adam, back with another new podcast here on fatbike.com. And this is kind of a special one. We are on site at Levis Trome Mounds right outside of Nielsville, Wisconsin. Uh, one of my very favorite places in the entire country to spend time and ride my bike. And I am here with, uh, I don't know what your official title is. I'm going to call you the trail steward, uh, as I know uh, what you've done here. Uh, Steve Moret, uh, who's a great friend, a uh, man who I used to say had 26 hours in the day because of all the peripheral cool stuff that you do. Uh, but we came up here to talk to Steve about how uh, this trail system in particular uh, with no major city next to it, has become and continues to be a place for people from Chicago, myself out of Iowa, uh, Minneapolis, to come and ride ride real deal, kind of old school mountain bike trails. So, Steve, thanks for joining me in the, the porch of the rebuilt chalet out here. How are you doing today? Real great. Yeah, the weather today is perfect. A cooler day than we've had in the last week or so, and some breeze and no bugs yet. So, it's uh, nice to be here. Yeah, it's 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 probably what mid seventies, low seventies yeah. right now with the sunshine, and this is about the best uh, conditions you could hope for. And like Steve said, if I have one knock on Levis Trail, it can be the bugs, but I attribute that to the entirety of Wisconsin, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so without those, it's just a perfect situation. Uh, so Steve, you know, I met you um around the gnome fest festival in wausau number three would have been probably like 2008 2009 something in that time range um and the next year we came here to levis uh and it was my first real experience at levis uh how long has have these trails existed um maybe not in this proliferation of trail environment but there's also cross-country ski trails give us kind of the how we got to this point rundown um, I think mountain biking first started to take off in the mid eighties and another friend of mine from Nielsville and I were really interested in purchasing mountain bikes and some of the trails here existed at that time, but they were just flat ski trails and maybe 10 miles total at that time. And so we paid the extra extraordinary price of $442 for two rock hoppers at that time <laughs> from uh, a bike shop in Stevens Point. And they were matching red, of course. And we were so excited to take our first ride on the trail. And, and my friend Dean got about uh, half a mile down and it snapped his derailleur off. And I said, well, I've been waiting for this for so long. I'm going to just keep going. So I kept riding. He walked back to the parking lot. Um, eventually got his bike fixed, and as we kind of explored the trails here, we're both skiers too, um, but we realized that it would be fun to ride on trails that were something other than just flat, grassy ski trails. And they kind of started by bypassing mud holes and things and trying to find higher ground to ride on. And, you know, you know, one mile became two, five, ten. Um, over the years, we'd find some... There's a lot of unique geographical features here with our sandstone mines. So we'd see a spot where, yeah, I think a trail should go up there, and we start laying out trails, um, building them. Everything here is built by hand. And the county uh, forestry and parks department had no problem, hands off, whatever you guys want to do, great, you know, build them, and which was great freedom compared to what most – trail builders have to deal with nowadays but um, again that was the late 80s when we started building all these things 
And we've just added every year, we find something new that we want to um, explore and add more mileage to or reroute. Reroute is another name for put a trail in a much better place than what we did when we didn't know what we were doing. Right. Um, and we built a lot of really crappy trails at first, you know, fall line trails that are gone in two years. And over the years, we replaced and built them better and had instructors come in, um, had training schools here. And I think we've become pretty good at building what we have here. And, um, you know, I think Dean and myself, when we're riding, we always see something like, oh, we should have a trail there. Um, or we need to change this. It's really hard to ride your own trails and not see something that you need to fix all the time, and you have to let that go. Right. About how many miles at this today, about how many miles of single track exist uh, here? There's about 35 miles of single track and then another 15 of ski trails. Ski trail. Yeah. 35. Wow. So that is definitely increased over, I mean, I guess my frame back in the day was more around the 25 or 27 miles. So that's a significant increase. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, you know, we're Levistro Mounds, and you were talking about some uh, geographic features that really lend to uh, the beauty of these trails, I think, ultimately. Uh, and one of them, you know, uh, just those mounds and then the exposure. Uh, we were talking earlier with Gomez. You feel like you transport out of Wisconsin here a little bit. And we're going to talk about some highlights, some specific trails. But talk about, you know, knowing you have these mounds uh, and then utilizing the mounds. Because I think that that draw is a really a big deal. You get a lot of elevation. You get beautiful overlooks. And you get some rip and descents here. Yeah, this is uh, all these mounds in this area were islands in the great glacial Lake Wisconsin during the, the glaciated period. And they kind of start about 15 miles north of here. You'll have a few sandstone outcroppings. And then we have these in the Levis Troll Mound area. And then the name changes. The, the main trail system is Levis Mound, and then Troll Mound is to the northwest. Um, and us locals have different names for, for them as well. And then as you go south into Jackson County, you actually start the Driftless area where the glaciers didn't touch. So you don't have sandstone mounds down there. Um, so this is kind of unique um, to Jackson, or I mean to Clark County and into Juneau County and Adams County have the same type of sandstone um, uh, that were formed at the same time. So yeah, the, the surrounding forests here, um, we're located in the Clark County forest, which is 133,000 acres and it's connected to Eau Claire County Forest, Jackson County Forest, Black River State Forest, and that whole region is a central forest region. And it's pretty unique to the state because you've got ag agriculture on either side. Um, here, most of the topography is flat, except we have these unique mounds. And I think that's one thing that we try to take advantage of when we have a trail because building trail on, on elevation is much more fun and interesting and riding on that kind of stuff is also more fun. Um, so we're kind of lucky because we have flat trails for beginners and kids and we have intermediate trails and we've got some things that are very technical for advanced riders. So um, I think that's one unique thing to this trail system that other places don't always have. Um, you know, there's great trail systems in other part of the state now, but um, when we first started here, there wasn't anything like that, you know, Camba didn't exist and some of these other trail systems weren't around and you know we're all getting older so we're probably not going to develop a whole lot more trails we're kind of running out of room and 
Um, we don't have a lot of young people taking over our spots. Um, so we'll see. Right now we still enjoy what we're doing. We're still building. Last weekend we were building trails. So um, we'll keep going as long as we can. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably every trail builder or trail advocacy group's number one in the long run struggle is is finding the people who are passionate like you were, who have a similar thought like you do about uh, building and conserving trails and utilizing the land. Uh, one thing I want to point out uh, in some of these trails, uh, just to kind of highlight Steve's uh, personal investment, we'll call it, there's a, a good number of built stunts on the, in the Levistro trail system, from skinnies to teeter-totters uh, to wood plank bridges, or wood berm that we talked about. Uh, I seem to recall, you might have to clarify this, are some of these your old porch Yes, they are. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, <laughs> Steve is breaking down his own porch to build trails. Everyone. Well, we don't waste treated lumber at all because <laughs> it's expensive. Um, yeah, one of, I think one of our most unique little sections is plumbers. Well, what other people plumbers name, crack? Plumbers crack. It's actually on the Toad Road Trail, but it's a spot that I think I had spotted hiking or snowshoeing or or whatever many years ago, and it just was a split between two giant rocks that handlebars would fit through. And um, there was a red pine tree in them growing in the middle of it. But I decided that, well, if we take that tree out, we could somehow get a trail down to that point, go through it and, and then um, continue the trail. And so that became a little bit of a, a passion to try to figure that out. And because it's so sandy there, there's no way we could do a bench cut. So I was replacing my, deck at home and had nice full two by sixes that I didn't want to go to waste. So we used that for the ramp up to it and then through the the crack itself and out of it. So yeah, we've, we've got a lot of porches <laughs> on this trail system from different people that know us and um, donate their wood. Cause it's like, well, you know, then we don't have to buy it. Um, so. Yeah. I want to also point out when did that uh, go in? that section of trail. Oh boy. Uh, it's been there a long time. I, that's, that's probably good enough for what I'm getting at. Yeah. He probably. said handlebars could fit. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm pretty sure when we ran like a 650 bar, it fit plenty good. <laughs> now with my eight tens, I'm rubbing knuckles on those rocks. Well, we all, <laughs> we all get our bikes and cut them down to 22 inches <laughs> always right. back then. And then you had a, you know, 10 inch stem. Right. So, um, yeah, bikes were a little bit different there. And we've had to go through and remove some trees that at first were great, but now the bikes don't fit through. So, yeah. And that, I think at a, some point that's an evolution of trails because that's not so much of an individual choice anymore. That's the way bikes have gone. Uh, you know, yeah. bars are just wider. I mean, my wife, who's a narrower person to me, runs a much wider bar than I raced on 10 years ago. You know, it's, uh, it's so, you know, while I like a, a tight tree gate, there is an evolution in the trail um, to accommodate and keep it something mm. for people to come back to. Uh, another thing uh, that I think is fun in these trails that you use the elevation for is not we're here in a beautiful day, but snow. Uh, you guys do some really nice grooming here on the Levis Mound trail system, uh, host a fat bike event, at least one. Uh, let us in on you know, kind of the winter time. You know, you, it's an all-year destination now for me. Uh, yeah, because I mean, well, I remember seeing like Gomez's first fat bike. I thought, well, these things look like clown bikes. You know, it was right. like no one had ever seen those Pugsleys before, and we laughed at them, and then we didn't laugh at them after a while because they were really fun to ride. And um, 
the racing back then was kind of an enduro thing where, you know, half the people didn't have bikes, so you shared a bike and you drew your teammates' names out of a hat, you know, and you put teams together at the last minute. And the team concept was was really important then. You didn't have hardly any individuals because not that many people had fat bikes. Um, and I think the thing that we th- really liked about that concept is there was the fun factor was way more important than the race part. You know, right. yeah, there were serious racers, but we try to get sponsorship and prizes to everybody and have food and everything like that. Um, and then that kind of evolved into, well, there's more and more people with bikes and more people want to do it solo. And so, you know, we changed the format of the race over the years. We still have teams, we still have solos, um, but we still try to keep the fun factor in and show the racers a good time. And, you know, if there's a glitch in the timing, it's not a big deal because everybody still had fun, you know, and we've got the perfect facility with a building here if we need to use it and we can have our food in there. And, and all the sponsors we've had over the years have been great. You know, people usually walk away with two or three things when they leave here. And it's, and it's been a great um, fundraiser for the trail too. You know, it's been around, you know, a hundred, 150. We, we've now started to limit it because we want to keep it a quality event. And, and the people that come here usually come back every single year. Right. So, and that kind of pushed us into the grooming aspect. Um, of course we groom the ski trails and sometimes we use part of those for the race, but um, then that kind of put us forward on looking at um, designing our own grooming equipment. So we have a mini roller that's just like our ski trail roller that we had a fabricator make. And we've seen some commercial ones. So we have a Yellowstone groomer too. Um, we've used many different snowmobiles to try to do the job. And now we've kind of, we've got one we really like. So um, we try to keep about 10 miles, no, 15 miles groomed in the winter. Um, trails that we know we can get a sled through and, and maintain. Some of the trails are just too difficult. So, uh, but you know, 15 miles on a fat bike in the winter is plenty of a workout. So, um, you know, in the old days of this trail starting, it was hundred percent cross country skiers in the winter. Um, then snowshoeing kind of took off, um, you know, about 15 years ago. And then we had a lot of snowshoers here. And then when mountain or fat biking started, now we've got about a third of each user group here on any weekend in the winter, and which I think is great because if the snow is really crappy, you can still go out and fat bike. It doesn't really matter. And snowshoers can go no matter what. You know? So um, that's really, I think, given this place a new life in the winter because cross-country skiing has kind of slowly gone downhill because we don't always have reliable winters. Right. Um, and fat biking, we can ride from, well, all year round, but we have good fat biking snow until usually March. And, um, and for me, I just, I love it because I love grooming the fat bike trails in the winter, like riding them. Um, it's a different, it's a different experience. I th- we've talked about it in the past where, you know, it's more of camaraderie in the winter riding. You're usually going out with a couple people, you know, and if you're riding at night or during the day, it's a little bit different than then in the summertime when you're on fat or mountain bikes um the trail is totally different it's smoother generally it takes on a whole different flavor than it does in the summer so i think that's 
an attraction too for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think uh, so. A couple things: the the event is Sweaty Yeti, and we'll plug it at the end uh, to make sure everybody that wants to look at that usually happens around February. Last last Saturday in February. Yeah, last Saturday in February. So we'll get back to that in the plugs at the end. Uh, agreed. I think some of these older, tighter single track places, um, when they're groomed. It, a lot of that uh, nitpicky undulation stuff just really goes out the window, and the grades, you know, things fill in deeper, and so you can really flow through trails like this um, because you have the surface, but usually you're feeling the roots and the rocks and all yeah. of this that's causing some tumultuous uh, situation. <laughs> uh, but when the snow's there, it's like it buffs everything out. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on, Right quick, there was a beautiful hummingbird here. I got distracted. Sorry. <laughs> We're outside. It's beautiful in nature here. Um, I think that uh, you, for a, a place that I, now I know more people that come to Levis for fat biking. Like, I know people that have only ridden fat bikes at Levis. They've never even ridden in dirt. And I'm like, man, you're missing out. But for a place that's not as huge as like a Cayuna, let's say, in the Midwest, you're grooming Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the grooming was ahead of the curve here in tactics, in techniques. It was a lot of that driven just by you and maybe Dean's like desire to ride, you know, your bikes here and knowing that it could be better. Or did you have some other intel that that I think it you technic- know what I mean? technically it comes from because we both groom ski trails. Ski trail grooming led best, you. The best ski trails are groomed by skiers you know, not someone that doesn't ski because right. you're very picky about when it's done and how it's done. And and I think this, that carried directly over to fat bikes because our little roller is exact replica of our big roller we use for ski trails because we knew that would work um, in certain conditions. And, yeah, and I think uh, groomers are just very picky about how everything yeah. is done and we'll redo it if it's not right. And, um with fat bike trails, you've got a lot more, you know, you, you don't have to be as perfect because you can get away with a lot more than you can with ski trails. But I think that's where it kind of comes from. And we like doing it. I mean, I like spending time on the snowmobile and grooming and getting just right. And fat bikers come and mess it all up just like skiers do, you know. We joke about that, but it is kind of true. When you lay out perfect corduroy and it looks pristine, you know, you love that. And then till the first track is on it. Right. It's like, that's what you did it for. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and and we've got, I guess we've gotten to learn over the years too, that we don't have to groom as much necessarily, unless something changes snow condition wise, that once it's buffed in, you know, we just leave it alone. Holds a lot better. Right. When you get them, when you get a track set now with more modern type of uh, machinery, right. And and barring some poor weather stretches, You end up, uh, I think you get them set a little more. And then it's like taking the edge off. Yeah. And we, like st- I mean, frankly, we still drag truck tires sometimes because yeah. that's what works the best, you know. And then we've got everything else in our arsenal right now that we need depending on conditions. So, you know, we're always, I think, I think uh, fat bike trail groomers are, are pretty interesting because they come up with so many unique grooming implements depending on where they are you right. know we would never use a plow here but at marquette you'd use a plow because you have too much snow right you know it's like we want to save every inch of snow we get usually you know but there are times when okay you get 20 inches dump well now you're going to face a month of trying to get that hard right. and then you've got to do something with it so right. you know we've we try to use 
everything that we know through our experience to, to make the fat bike trails good. Sweet. And they are. I love riding fat bikes here and the trails in general. And that, to touch back on them, uh, I, I want to highlight some more specific trails and cool features here. But uh, IMBA, International Mountain Bike Association, at times has designated and still designates epic routes, mm-hmm. um, which by and large on their website is just routes of significant ish distance i don't know if there's an actual qualification there that are technically challenging that have beautiful but also considering beautiful outlooks and things uh levis has had a designated imba route here uh containing what i believe to be the the creme de la creme trail here sidewinder uh can you just kind of walk us through um like what is the Imba route, or what was the Imba Epic route? And how does something like, you know, these aren't Imba-built trails. So what is the, the work there with Imba coming in and saying, uh, we want to designate this? Because that has to draw a lure to the trail system. Um, but now Imba is building a ton of trails, like them themselves. So how has that changed? Um, and maybe just walk us through that, because that was the first route I was introduced here. And if you don't know how to ride these mounds... That route is a good depiction of the mountains. Yeah, we were, we were uh, IMBA, I don't know what the designation was exactly, affiliated club at one time, and we paid, because we're a small club. I mean, right. basically, we've got less than a dozen people that actually do all the work here. And um, so we had some IMBA trail care crew at the time, I don't know if they're still called that, would come here. And do a one or two day trail building school. Sure. And I think we had two of those here, maybe three over the years. Um, and one year they we did build a portion of the Imba Epic Trail, which was cliffhanger. And that trail was totally redone. And I mean, it was fairly short. And then we put in a whole new section of it. Um, and it was designed really well. Um, I think I flagged it out. And then when the the trail care crew came in, went through, adjusted things, and then we probably had uh, 60, 70 people here for that weekend. Awesome. And we built the entire length of that trail um, by hand. And it's still, I mean, that was a long time ago, and it's still held up perfect. I mean, we've not had to do much to it at all, the, the new section that we put in. So that's kind of where that came from. And then the designation is an IMBA Epic Trail which has now changed. I, we're yeah. not officially an epic trail, but we still have it marked as such. So if somebody wants to come here and ride 18 miles and not repeat anything, they can follow the the stickers that we have on the signposts and follow it. And it's going to have every single climb in here. And on Levis Mound, you're going to climb it two or three times um, and get some good downhills and stuff like that. So we try to make sure that that is still up to date and accurate. So if somebody just wants to come here and do it, they can. Um, we've since dropped out of the IMBA affiliation just because we, you know, the money wasn't a huge cost to us, but we really weren't getting any benefit from it, frankly. You know, and I think in, in some areas where you've got a lot of people, maybe a bigger metro area and a big giant club, it would be great. Yeah. But for us, our working relationship with the county has always been really good. So if we when we talk to the foresters here and we want to do something, build a new trail or change something, we go directly to them. So we don't need an advocate from IMBA to, right. to make the battle for us. And we're not looking to build 
another trail in Greenwood, Wisconsin, or someplace else in the county. We've got enough to do right here. So it made more sense. Not that was a big saving thing, but it was like, um, we, we were doing it on our own anyway, and we'll just continue that. So for us, we just, you know, went on our own and, and, uh, I, I'm proud that we have the Imba Epic or did at one time. I think that's a, a little feather in the hat and, um, you know, I think they just changed the distance it needed to be. But, I mean, we definitely have good trails here and, and some good scenic spots. Um, but, yeah, I've looked at other epic trails across the country, and, well, yeah, there's phenomenal ones. You yeah. know, we don't have mountains, and we don't have some of the other things. But we have good mes- Midwest things here to take advantage of. Yeah, and I, I think two, two times you've mentioned man-made trail here, and I think that's a big distinction that maybe if you're not in the – Midwest as much maybe it does exist but my mind in the Midwest a lot of man-made or like uh Wachita Mountains south of Bentonville where things are hand bench cut you can feel that in trails like it's obvious when things are man-made um it's that's one thing to say and uh that keeps you so busy you know that's half of you know small group like you said uh working with your hands not coming in with big tractors and I think it's great for him, but in different places to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, just didn't work in this particular situation. But I also agree to have a, a flag trail like that is a nice guideline if you're a visitor here. Um, another thing that this trail has, thinking of that, and I wanted to lead into uh, beautiful trail maps. There's a beautiful sitting next to a beautiful chalet that unfortunately uh, burnt down maybe what's <coughs> 2015. Yeah, so like seven years ago, and it's been rebuilt, bigger, better, more beautiful. Um, This is a place that uh, while certain trails can get you in very deep, and we're going to talk about some of those specific trails, Sidewinder, Cliffhanger have been mentioned. Um, We started off, my wife is uh, getting to be a pretty dang good mountain biker now, but she's still more novice and doesn't always like big things like exposure. You know, there's perimeter trails here. There's walking. There's hiking. This is really a cool place uh, that I would meet for a party of people or a family. Um, They're well-signed. You know, you said not just the uh, IMBA signs, but all the trail intersections are marked with even leading signs like this way to the trail center. Uh, You know, not just you know it's Lower Glen. You also now know it's heading you the right way. I think that's a nice thing that, um, you obviously or the group has to have been considerate about while building trails, at least in the Midwest, that go all over each, you know, all over and around a mound. Navigation, you know, GPS, all that. I'm not always relying on that mountain biking, <laughs> twisting and turning. So I think that's something I appreciated from the first time I came here. And that resonates all the time with people. My wife, this was one of the first places why I brought her up, that she felt real comfortable just going out on her own mountain bike rides and navigating and coming back, you know, and uh, for growing, maybe they're not trail builders, but advocates for Levis Mounds, that's got to be a huge catalyst if parents think their kids are better (laughs) navigating or or new people, you know. Uh, Is that something that you were really, did that just come about or were you really conscious about that stuff? I really like, I like maps. I mean, that's something I've, I mean, all kinds of maps. And I've been to some trails like Nine Mile, which are named by letters. Mm-hmm. And I grew up there. And um, Trail No Claire is is uh, numbers. 
Um, another great trail under down is letters. And I get on some of those trails and I go, okay, I'm on E now. Oh, there's E over there, but where's F and, and it, for me, my mind doesn't work that way. So a lot of our trails, I mean, all of our trails are our names and they're named at, after different things for our local reasons. But I think trail names are easier for people to remember than, oh, I was on F and then I went over to G. And I mean, I, I'm terrible at trying to remember those kinds of things. Um, and I also, we also have changed something that most trail intersections all have a common intersection. So we don't have one trail coming in to a T someplace out that, that isn't. And that's twofold. One navigation's easier. And then if we have, we have different kinds of races here, we can tie one trail into another and we're not, you know, coming to a T intersection, let's say on a ski trail, which we used to have years ago. So we've tried to eliminate all those and make common intersections so we can link them. Um, like to have, longer trail segments so you you're not always coming to an intersection and you're on the next part of trail e and then you're on the next part of trail e which confused me so yeah that's very conscious is trying to change that and have good trail names um you know of course we know them because we built them and we have some reason for a trail being yellow jacket because we got the hell stung out of us by yellow jackets when we built it um Snodgrass Trail in Winter uh, Winter Park. Uh, no, um, Snodgrass is in Mount Crested Butte. So we've done trips over the years mountain biking. So we stole trail names from other places: Hermosa, Upper Hermosa, Lower Hermosa. Um, you know, great trail rides we had during vacation. We brought them back here when we built the trail. You know, and and named them after that. So is Hermosa from Durango? Yes, Durango. Gomez. Yep. Gomez is on the mic. <laughs> yes, Durango. That's where we got that one from. Yeah, yeah. So, Hi, buddy. how's it going? <laughs> so most of them are something that happened here. You know, bad bear because we ran to a bear on the trail, and and um, sidewinder just because that trail's got four levels to it. You know, yeah. and you just keep going back and forth on top of yourself. Well, I thought it was because it bites you. And you- <laughs> cliffhanger is really obvious because yeah. if you go off of it it's you're hanging onto a cliff you're going down a long way so um yeah and the map when i read criticisms online of the trail that the trail's confusing well when you've got 45 miles of trail total and you look at the map it looks like spaghetti right. but we laid out hiking trails have marked loops where you can just follow that loop and get back mm-hmm. safely or um you know, the mountain bikers, I think, like to explore more. So once they're on the trail, uh, at every major intersection with a ski trail, there's a map. Um, so you can look at that map, find, figure out where you are. Um, we've got QR codes on some of the trails where you can call the map up on your phone. And that's something we just start doing um, more for hikers because it seems hikers have a lot harder time figuring out where they are than, than mountain bikers do. Um, and I think we have more new hikers that come here than mountain bikers. Usually we have returned visitors for mountain bikers and they kind of know the trail system somewhat. And plus they can get from point A to B much quicker. So if they get lost or whatever, they can figure out how to get back. Yep. So, All right. Uh, I have one oh, question. Gomez. About a legend that I've never addressed this with you, but the first thing I heard about these trails and before I met you was that, there was this guy out at Levis that is making a mountain bike trail with a lawnmower. 
the 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 first trails secret here trail. select cut oh select cut i thought it was secret right? trail yep was <laughs> just you with a gas lawnmower yeah not any gas mower it was a two-stroke industrial strength lawn boy that we borrowed from the forestry department i don't even know they must have used it for mowing campgrounds but that thing we'd set as low to the ground as you could and it would scalp things off and blow all the leaves off and you just it would just cut through anything um and that i think that beast is still around you couldn't get it started you'd turn it upside down and shake it to get the oil to mix in with with it and uh and some yeah some of those flatter trails were mowed and ridden that's it you know there's no extra work to them you know and and they're still out there select cut was one yeah actually that is one of them um top of clarence was just mowed in that was it <laughs> and then ridden so sometimes you can get away with that but we tend not to do that now we use a dr mower for rough cutting and then rake it and then bench it you know even if it's a slight side hill we bench them now yeah. but uh yeah um so that we have some other mowers still have their carcasses out on the trail, like the <laughs> blades, because you hit so much stuff. But yeah, lawn mowers are a pretty important arsenal thing in our in our thing. So uh, we're gonna take a real quick break here, and then we're gonna come back with Steve, and uh, I'm gonna kind of we're gonna take you on a virtual ride, I think, up and down a couple of mounds with some highlights and pinpoints, and then of course subject Steve. To the lightning round. Be right back. You're listening to the new podcast on Fat Bike Radio. Fat Bike Radio. Fat Bike Radio. Fat Bike Radio. Hey, everybody. We are back here at Levis Trail, Levis Mounds Trail, with a good friend Steve Moret, the trail steward of this trail system. Uh, and one of the builders, one of the establishers. We've been talking about kind of how the trails came and what the trails offer. But I really want to, I kind of want to focus in on, because this, uh, no, I think anybody listening to my podcast knows that a lot of this is because this is actually how I think about things. And I'm really passionate and love these places or people. Uh, there's some trails here that I, I, I don't know if I could say like they're the best trail in the, you know, because that's hard to say. But my vehemently my favorite trails in the country i would come here from either coast i would come here to ride uh and i want to kind of talk about a couple of them pinpoint that aren't always the most spectacular uh trails but trails that i think either add a really beautiful dimension to this uh for not my riding but you know whatever it is but i'll start with the loaded one that i've already mentioned there is a trail here on the north Mm -hmm. mound uh called sidewinder uh it's after you clear a typical ride for us we'll kind of walk through it'd be like a lower glen yellow jacket kind of area up to a nice beautiful intersection has some picnic tables and from there you can access i believe three trails buck hill uh upper hermosa which can lead you back down through the hermosas or sidewinder which exits 20 feet from where it starts basically Right, right. right in the same area uh this trail is no joke technically. It uh, has lots of elevation, massive amounts of bench cut and exposure, uh, and a lot of rocky faces. Tell me about how, you know, A, I think it's tough to build really tough trails. Not just the physical aspect of, you know, cutting through rock and, or, you know, getting around, but there is, 
you know, you don't want people to get hurt, but you definitely, I'm sure, want to challenge people and you want to offer them different things. So this will apply to a couple. So we'll just kind of blanket statement all of this. How does your trail group, you and Dean, um, when you're making decisions uh, that ultimately, in my opinion, what you decided at Sidewinder at the beginning was the best? Because I love that challenge of that trail. Uh, That would be my very favorite trail. I mean, I ride it. I hike it a lot with my dog. Um, every time I hike it, which the other day I walk and I go, this is my absolute favorite. And unfortunately it's not super long. I wish this trail could be five miles long because I don't uh, sometimes <laughs> it's a it's, physical, it's a physically it, taxing trail as well. I, me. well, it's not, it doesn't have climbing in it, but it's got a lot of skill level. And one of my, my friends says it's uh, visually intimidating, very visually for, intimidating. for him. For me, I I don't find it that way, but um, there's some exposure to it. Um, that little mound point, which is actually part of Troll Mound, uh, I kind of discovered snowshoeing in the winter one time, and and snowshoed around it and thought, well, um, this reminds me of some of the trails in Japan. Um, was over there for cross country ski World Games and. They lay out the most kilometers of trail in the smallest possible piece of land, and they wrap it around, and they go a little higher, and they wrap it around again. They go a little higher and wrap it around. When I thought, well, this this little mound portion of Troll Mound would work really well for that. And so it starts fairly high up and winds around the mound, goes up to the next level, winds back on itself, goes up again, and then I think it was about, three or four years ago uh, i saw the very top of that mountain and i thought you know we could go one more wrap around to get to the top and then take it all the way down and so i spent a week or two that part i built myself just with a small road tiller and grub hose and rakes and stuff and cleared it out i kind of did in secret i didn't really tell anyone because i wanted it to be a surprise i'm just going to open it when it's done and and I was pretty happy with that. Um, but it just gave it a little extra length and more fun. And you look down and you can see the trail below you and you can see the next trail below you, which I think is kind of a, a really cool feature of it. Um, so that's how that particular one came about. It was a discovery scouting. And I was like, well, this piece of real estate would be really neat to add another trail to. And like, Adam said the start and finish are right next to each other so you can connect it with you know go on to Upper Mosa or do Buck Hill or whatever you want to do but um, that's I think that's my most proud trail just because by the time I laid that out I, I knew what we were doing trail building wise how to build good trail um, it's also unique because it's a one-way trail which takes away a lot of headaches and I wish more of our trails could be, but people like riding them different directions. But you can get away with drops on a one-way trail, which you can't if it's a two-way trail. And you can get away with a lot of stuff that would be sketchy if it weren't laid out that way. And I love it. I mean, if I build more trails here, I'd like to do them one way because you can do different things with it. Um, so, yeah, I agree. That's my favorite. It's just short. <laughs> but whenever I come out here, that's always one I'll go to and ride. And I like hiking it too, just because you can see out over the surrounding county forest from up there. And, um, and yeah, it's got some visually intimidating things to it too. So, 
but yeah. it's held up so well. You know, I think we built it well, and we've not had to do much to it since. Yeah, I think, well, a couple things. I kind of, I understand what you're saying about length. I kind of like that it's length because I can always feel like and I can attach it. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, my first route almost always is North Mound, what we were just kind of talking about, basically. Yellow Jacket, maybe, uh, you know, the Glen, lower Glen out to Yellow Jacket and up to there. Uh, Sometimes, you know, it's like, it taunts me because I know it isn't that long of a trail that it's like, you should ride Sidewinder, Adam. And and so I love that I do ride that. I would say, man, 99% of the time I I go for it. Uh, Another thing that I like about it is is I don't want to uh, inhibit somebody from experiencing that trail if they came here by scaring them off. There are are exposed sections and things. But one thing I like about uh, Sidewinder is it... uh, not and maybe Levis in general. I'm thinking not very many places do you pick up speed that you didn't want. Um, you know, like uh, you can get too much speed if you're just not paying attention. But very infrequently, uh, coming down from the mounds on Hermosas or Cliffhanger or any of that uh, Sidewinder, are you just ripping into a section and then it like turns left? And if you mm-hmm. kept going straight, you'd careen off the thing. So uh, if you'd never been here, you come here, which I encourage, and you want to ride Sidewinder, which I highly encourage. Take it easy, take it slow, watch your lines. And then that trail, I think uh, the intimidation comes down and the acceptance and the appreciation goes up of Sidewinder. Yeah, uh, I would say that was, I mean, it's a middle ring back when we had three rings. <laughs> yeah, nobody, there's no middle rings anymore, it's, Steve. It's a middle ring trail. <laughs> it's not hard climbing and you you get some fast sections, but they're up and down, so yeah. you scrub speed not in a bad way and then you get to the next part of it and i think yeah it's just like i think that's like i said one of them that i'm most proud of um just because it just has and we don't i should also say this is not a flow trail i mean float there nothing against flow trails they're great but you were talking about hand built before and yeah this is hand built and we have some flowy sections that go one into the other which I really like, and if we can incorporate that somehow, we do that. Um, and when we do reroutes, we tend to put some bigger arc curves in them and help carry speed and then reverse grade on them so you're not going too fast. Um, so if we reroute something, we tend, tend to try to do that. Um, so it, it ends up having some flow, but, yeah, there's enough roots and tar- tight corners and things to keep it old school too oh yeah old school i mean that's like i said at the beginning that's one of the these are the trail systems i like i lived in iowa city with sugar bottom an old school trail uh kettle you know some of these places that we ride in wisconsin are old school tight twisty now they're evolving because bikes are changing and that's great but at their core uh you're not going to see a whole lot of nine foot tall bermed corners right uh you know which are not bad either it's just not here uh another trail specific trail i want to talk about that i don't know maybe i just don't know what's up or i like lore i feel like there's a magic trail at the far end the far reaches of levis mountain trail system where only the brave go and (laughs) dance on the goat dance goat dance trail you cross a road it like is in its own island Mm -hmm. it's got some nasty stuff in it like that trail can be pretty challenging but it's also got some of the coolest uh scenery over there there's a little uh maybe not regulated campsite i don't know how to frame but like there's there's cool things over in goat dance but you really kind of have to know you want to get to goat dance 
to get to goat dance. And if you end up in goat dance and you didn't want to be there, you're in the wrong spot. Right. Um, How does goat dance with its like separation, you know, where does that, where does that all get brought in here? That was another snowshoe discovery. I remember I was snowshoeing with my son way back when, and we set out that direction on the Northwest corner off the, off the property, <laughs> you know, it's still in the county forest, but we did have to cross a forest road to get there. And there's two separate mounds there. And one of them I discovered later, an old, old 1800 platypus is called Saddleback Mound. So that's like the biggest climb furthest to the northwest. And then there's another one that's more conical shape that we kind of wrap around too. So there was another one of those scouting adventures where it's like, this would be a great way to add three to four miles of single track and take advantage of that top topography over there. And there was a few skitter trails from logging over the years, and we try to make use of that. And actually, historically, there's um, a section that's called um, A.S. Rouse Siding, which was a railroad siding during the lumber era in the late 1800s. And the trail follows along. It's on the southern part of that. Follows along, and you can see where the old railroad line was at that time, and you can see where the ties were in soil. And all the material was removed out of there to fill in the railroad line that they built from Maryland to Nielsville. Um, so I didn't know that at the time, but, you know, I started digging some history of this area and found out that, oh, that's a siding where they backed the railroad cars into and and that type of thing. So when you first start on the southern end of that trail, you'll see these high banks. Well, that was all soil that was removed to build the railroad at that time. Um uh. And then, then trying to figure out a way to climb the mound, you know, bench cutting in long climbs, get to the top and bench cutting, how are you going to get down and then go to the next mound and now you're going to get to the top of that one and, and around. And we've changed a few things over the years on that. Uh, but it was just like too good a piece of real estate that's close here that we didn't want to waste and try to make use of. And yeah, I mean the more serious riders always go there. Yeah, I was gonna say people have a strong affinity. Like it's it's a way, but it is a loop. Another good thing about it that it's another one where start and end is pretty similar. So you can tack it on to a ride, right? And it's got big climbs. I mean, you've got big two pretty serious climbs in it. Um, I had uh, and we've changed some things. I worked with uh, Wisconsin Conservation Corps, which is a youth program, one summer, and we redid a whole climb on it, you know. And so that was some help from our normal people that work here. Um, then a few years ago, we we um, added teepee downhill. It's a one way trail, and we purposely put it in there because we wanted a, a way to get out there in the winter and may be able to make a loop and. The rest of the trail is too steep to be able to get a, a groomer through. So this valley intrigued us because it was a narrow, sharp valley, and we could put, you know, back and forth, back and forth, all the way down the valley, make it one way, and it's super fun in the summer, and in the winter it's even more fun. Um, the name comes from there was a guy that had a teepee kind of camping on forest ground during one summer and hermit kind of situation, and there's some tarp still laying up there. So it's like, well, there's the name yeah. for that one part of the goat dance um and then the the rest of goat dance uh, we part of it we call dan's berm one of our guys uh, has a mini excavator and built some some soil berms up 
um, and then others were built by some other friends of the trail. Um, and I tend to not to like, I like separate trails, not an out and back section. So we actually have like two connectors, one to the South, one to the North that bring you back into the trail system. Um, so I generally ride it clockwise because to me it flows the best and then you get the fun downhills when you're coming back. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's been a good, you know, I don't, three to four miles. I think that loop is, and once you're on it, you've, you're, you're on, on it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's one of my favorites too. I think those are, those are both on the North side. I like go dance. Like you said, if you're in the know and you've been here, like, uh, that's a frequently talked about trail. Are we going to ride out to go dance? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> is, the answer, is the answer. But on the South loop, uh, we'll touch on two trails real quick that I really like. Uh, Dead turkey being one for my own personal reasons. Uh, a, it's an accessible part of a loop. Uh, I think that dead turkey, when we're talking back to um, all shapes and sizes, experience levels riding here, when snodgrass is running, uh, snodgrass uh, around to dead turkey, around to the lower glen, is is my definition of like the entry-level loop right. here. Um, but I think a lot of times... Unfortunately, entry or more beginner loops just just don't have any mountain biking in them. There are trails in the woods. And while dead turkey is not technically challenging, you get some on-the-ground planked bridges, which are super cool. Um, you get maybe slightly elevated bridges, but, like, very minimal consequence. And I it was one of those that it didn't dawn on me until, again, I always use my wife as a frame of reference because just the experience level is different. She got so much enjoyment riding those wood bridges and connecting that and having a route that I think it really elevated Dead Turkey as a a ride-off trail, probably just a connector trail, to something I was like, man, I see more. It also leads me to Toad Road. Right. So, like, for me now, once I get off Dead Turkey, I know it's on, you know? Um, maybe not the most <laughs> highly touted, right? Hot take. But a fun trail, and I, I guess I just wanted to spotlight it because I think it's a beginner trail that doesn't make you feel like you're on a beginner trail, and whether you're experienced or a beginner, that's a badass feeling. Yeah, that was uh, another scouting expedition and found a dead turkey on it. That's where it got its name. Right. And, um, yeah, I never thought of it that it didn't get the respect it deserves. Well, you but, know, there's just so uh, many more um, – Right. There's trails here that have more grandeur. I right. Think, and before you know? that was there, you'd ride the ski trail to get from point A to point B. Right. And, and you're right. It's it's a single track, and it's got a a little plank bridge across a muddy spot. It's got a little low boardwalk across a wet spot. With cool signs. Are those right. old forest old, service signs? Old forestry Yeah, you know, like signs. cool stuff. I think yeah. that adds a lot to that. Yeah, we're scavengers. Go to the forest department, pick through their garbage bin and get old signs and well they're treated they'll last us yeah. for a while you know so um yeah i kind of agree and plus the advantage is it gives us a winter fat biking loop that's very manageable you right. know and um it gives you know when we first started you know that four mile little base loop for fat biking you got pretty tired right. you know um and a lot of people that come here ride that and like okay yeah i'm good that was an hour you know right. on a fat bike mm-hmm. so yeah i appreciate that that's i had never really thought about it that way before well and i think it leads me to the next trail that always stands out to me up or down which is toad road 
Uh, I, it's been a hot take between me and friends. Cliffhanger Toad Road. Cliffhanger Toad Road. Uh, and then there's other trails. Porky Point we just talked about doesn't get the credit it deserves off off of this. Uh, but Toad Road climbing, steep climbing, uh, an optional route that, that I don't know if it's actually technically a trail, but you can keep going up on Toad Road oh. after the climb. Uh, beautiful descents, rockovers, plumber's crack is a part of this. Uh that's on the south loop, and to me, that's my main attraction. You know, I'm riding dead turkey to get there, but uh, that's my main attraction on the south loop. Give us a little rundown on where that came from. And Toad Road, I, there was there a toad on the road, Steve? Yeah, I'm sure there was. I, <laughs> I, that's you know, silly name. I don't really know. But uh, you mentioned Porky Point, and that was really the first, quote-unquote, real mountain bike trail we put in because of the – the rock shelter, yeah. rock overhang. We looked at that um, because where we're sitting right now, where the chalet was, was the township dump. And we built that trail when the dump site was still here and before the trailhead was actually on Highway 95. Um, but we saw that rock outcropping thing. It's like, okay, we should really build a mountain bike trail here. And we wound around that. And then, again, it's not real long, but it takes advantage of that hillside. And, you know, then it's like, okay, we need to get to the top of, of Levis Mound. And so we built North Face to access it. And then, well, you need a way to get down. So Todro came about. Um, the original way down was a trail you wouldn't be familiar with. It was called Pile Driver. And we actually skied it one time. And we've closed that off, you know, 30 years ago. But it went straight, straight down. And there's no way hiking you shouldn't be on it, biking you shouldn't be on it, skiing you shouldn't be on it. So it, then cliffhanger and other routes came about because we needed a way down off the mound or up. Um, and Toad, Toad Road kind of takes advantage of the this ridge that runs to the western side of the mound. And um, it originally didn't go through Plumber's Crack like it does now. It went off a rocky step that goes down. And then you just got to figure out how to get a bench cut in so you're not going down too steep and which led us off kind of the rocky side of that. And it has become more and more technical over the years because when we first built it, it wasn't like it is now. I mean, you get erosion, you get a lot of traffic on it. And, you know, sometimes I've been criticized for making the trail too easy, but I would counter it and it's like, well, that's not the way it was when we built it. You know, we built it this way and now we're trying to rehab it into something right. the way we built it. And the people that really like the nasty rocky stuff are the ones that will complain about it. And some of it we just leave, let it go the way it goes, you know. But we also want it to be sustainable because we're all old and we can't be fixing trails forever. So if we can make a trail more sustainable that we don't have to go back two years from now and fix, we try to do that. So um, that trail has held up fairly well we've made some big improvements towards the tail end of it um and they've held up but there is some rocky hard stuff i i mean i can't ride it dean my partner in crime here he's he's a really good technical rider he can still make it up some of those really hard rocky climbs i mean you got to have horsepower and you got to keep the bike on the ground right which Front is difficult down. right right so um, you know, I think we've kind of also grown to leave some of that, like not go back in and fix some of that stuff up. And Toad Road is kind of like probably the most technical trail. Um, Cliffhanger's got some parts to it, but 
that's such a beautiful trail. I'd like to have it accessible by more people too, you know. So um, there's some spots in there that a lot of people are going to have to walk. Yeah. You know, oh, it's just it's just here. there's there's no way we can put a line in to get from point A to point B. It's solid rock. So, um, so yeah, I mean. Cliffhanger is one of my favorites too. After Sidewinder, it's just got the ferns and everything, and the rock sidewalls. It's just beautiful, and it gets you to the top. Um, Toad Road uh, again, same. It's got a different. It's a west facing uh, part of the hill, so you got more dry rock and uh, soils there. So it's different. So yeah, I mean, I think we took good advantage of all the real estate we have on Levis Mound itself. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- it's amazing when you're up there how many, how much trail is up there. You know, uh, you you can kind of feel it down at the bottom a little bit, but really when you get in some of those intersections, like you said, up on the top, and you're like, holy cow, this is where I'm at. Like, that way, that way, this way. <laughs> you know, like all of these are at my disposal now, and I didn't really realize I was going to have – this choice to make. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on quick, and I don't want to touch on it too much because I think it's more of an exploratory thing for when people come here, and it's actually maybe more of a hiker thing. Um, <laughs> but there are some beautiful arches and outlooks uh, on this trail system, and don't give them away because I, I, as far I as I know, they can all be accessed <laughs> by hiking, right? Like, it's not like you have to break a rule to get to them, right? Right, right. So, um, I assume you've discovered though you or somebody have discovered those through yeah. snowshoeing and just spending time on the mound. Were the arches? Is that a where did the arches come from? Like, I mean, is that just glacial movement caused those arches? Because there's some pretty significant no, ones um, here. The the arch you're talking about, which we've all been pictured in. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the picture stop. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, I've. I was here quite a few years before I knew where it was. I had seen a very old picture in the forestry department of some ladies in long dresses in early 1900s standing beneath that arch. Not a tree in sight because it was after the logging era and the area had all burnt. And it's so weird to see what this place looked like with no trees. Yeah. And uh, I saw that and I go, that's at Levis Mount. I don't know where that is. And... Um, because it's not on one of our trails. Right. It's, it's a slight offshoot. Right. It's it's off of it. And um appreciate you not telling me or asking to reveal it because it, places like that would get loved to death. You right. Know? That's why, I mean, like yeah. if you know, you know, and I not to hold them away from people. Right, I want right, people right. to know those places exist here. Right. But, but I, I think you earn right, the ability right. to see yeah. some of those places right. by being uh, adventurous or right, exploratory. Right. And people that share that generally also respect the places that right, they came about. Right, yeah. And that's what we're hoping to conserve it's got, is those places. It has, vandali- it has vandalism on them from 1887 to 2022. Right. You know, so I don't, you know, sure, historic. I mean, in, in 1887, they were carving their name initials in it in the date. Right. And in 2022, they're doing the same thing. Right. So I, I'm not going to judge what that is, but I would rather see the we old We don't ones. have to perpetuate <laughs> right. it, though, right? Right, right, right. And it's still surviving, and it's still a full arch. And, um, yeah, it was uh, an accidental discovery. And then it leads you to another rock overhang Ledge. that I didn't know was there. And, yeah, I think those things are earned when you explore. Because even off of Goat Dance, there's some beautiful places that nobody knows about that if you hop off your bike and just look around, you'll find. 
Um, so we actually, uh, on where that arch is, we purposely relocated the trail farther away from right. it because we didn't want the traffic near it. And I don't, I don't think it's selfish. I think it, I just want to protect it because I've seen other places that just get destroyed by people that just want to go there and, and party and, and not respect what's there. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think it's, I mean, you've shared it. To, to all of the people I know uh, that have spent time here and care about this place, I've shared it to people who right. I care about who care about this place. That's not uh, To protect something is uh, not selfish, I don't think. I think it's just good conservational right. attitude, right? Um, well, Steve, uh, I got to say, uh, I think it's about time for the lightning round. Oh, boy. <laughs> A lot of guns, shooting guns, uh, no idea why. Uh, Steve, this is generally four to five questions. They don't have to be rapid fire, but I don't want you to think about it too much. Okay. I just want you to uh, kind of, you know, it's kind of free free running stuff. Uh, first one, Steve, and you may have already said, but uh, we'll elaborate. What is your, you're going to just come here, ride a loop. What's the, just walk me through the trails you hit to ride a Levistro. Levis Mounds Loop. Lower Glen, Yellow Jacket, Goat Dance, TP maybe if I'm not feeling energetic, and back on Wolf Run, because I'm not great at climbing anymore, to do Upper Hermosa, and then probably go up Corkscrew, that's a little easier climb than Toad Road, view the top and come down, uh, if I want to come down really fast, come down North Face, otherwise... <laughs> Which you can carry way a lot of speed, yeah. or cliffhanger. Yeah, awesome. Um, when you're out uh, working, building trails, I know that you in the past, I'm sure you still do, have brewed your own, uh, or you know, aged things in barrels, spirits, <laughs> brewed your own beers. What's a trail builder like you's on trail building beverage of choice? It doesn't have to be, boo- you know, it can be anything you want. Yeah, when. Uh, Maybe if you're running power tools, no alcohol. If you're not, then you can have a water. And then afterwards, yeah, I'm craving. <laughs> I'm craving a good a good beer. So maybe something like Sand Creek um, English Ale. Yeah, that, they're that, local and they have been good sponsors. Uh, yeah, trails. sponsored the Sweaty right. Yeti here uh, since the beginning. If I, yep, I mean, yep. and that's been how many years we've been running? Seven or eight? No, uh, probably longer. Maybe even longer. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, what would you say? Is man, we might have already covered this too, but just the one if like you could get helicopter dropped here, the one trail, <laughs> the like you get transported here to ride one trail. Just what's the very oh, best trail? Sidewinder, sidewinder, yeah. yeah. Okay, wanted to make sure of that because that's how I've sometimes when you feel so strongly about something, you want to make sure other people <laughs> feel like that too. Because well, like, am it, I just the only from one a, from a trail builder? Just that's why is because I, I think. We built it really good. It's lasted. We haven't done anything to it, and it's it's just a great trail, yeah. you know. So, and then uh, the last one is going to be so names we've talked about, and them carrying homages. Is there a specific trail system, or let's give you two trail systems that have really in, uh, inspired not necessarily the trail, but an aspect of what Levis Mound is, whether it's accommodations for guests, signage, trails, whatever, you know, any aspects that have helped you, you draw from, like, I loved riding there and I want where I build mm. to give people those feelings. I think uh, Crested Butte mm-hmm. 
when we did a lot of trips out there. Um, and that's where the Snodgrass Trail is, is Crested Butte. Um, yeah, we saw things that we'd never seen before. You know, we laughed at front suspension back then because we rode in Wisconsin and we rode out Crested Butte. It's like, now we get why you have front suspension. And now we know why they have disc brakes. Right. Because <laughs> you'd go through a pair of brake shoes in two days right. out there. Um, and then we saw things, you know, of course they have a lot of rock, which we don't have here. And it's like, oh man, we got to do this. You know, never heard the phrase baby head before. And it's like, literally, and I'm not joking. We bought, brought baby heads back from Crested Butte in our van and planted them on this Lucy's Loop trail. <laughs> I am not joking. Because we didn't have round rocks where that, that were <laughs> some right, baby right, heads. Right, yeah. And we brought a whole bunch of them back, and we planted them on that trail. Because it's like, oh, we got to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's a, but I think that's, right, like everybody, you know, trails are a facet of where you are, the soil, the terrain, the environment, the people. It, it, you know, it's got to be culmination sometimes i think when you get places that have really established themselves of riding other places like you said skiers grooming ski trails cyclists grooming or building cycling trails uh and if you don't if you're only in one spot how can you know you don't know if you don't know right right. uh steve we've talked about uh i want to get some plugs in for more of the trail system ways people can support the trail system uh, Sweaty Yeti uh, does have some social media. So if you have a few social media things that people can start paying tabs to, uh, we have done in the past here uh, a Fat Tire Festival in the fall, mountain bike oriented for all families, and I believe that's going to keep going, though I know we don't have a date yet, so that's mm-hmm. not going to get quite plugged. But spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, if somebody's interested, they hear this, they're like, man, I want to know where Levis is. I want to know more about the trails, and I want to get there, and I want to ride. Run somebody through how they can get here and um, get more. The Clark County, Wisconsin, Forestry and Parks Department has a link to the trail. So they have hiking, the mountain biking, skiing um, on their page. So they have a trail map. They have all of the, the trail fee information. You can buy your trail passes online, camping fees online, all that kind of stuff. Um, our page is now just a Facebook page, so Levis Mound uh, Facebook page. If you look for that, you'll find it. Um, so we put trail updates on there, events on there. Um, anything like that is on the Facebook page, which I think you can access without having an account. Um, we used to have our own website, but it's just really difficult to maintain it and stuff like that. And this, I can just go on every day and do something if I need to. Um, our events, Sweaty Eddie's always the last sept- uh, Saturday in February, um, which will continue to host uh, buzzard buster is part of the wars series in wisconsin so it's an endurance race so three to ten hour long races and that is going to be in august or september i don't know the exact dates yet um, so those are all fundraisers for the trail so any money that we take in as a club we put back into buying equipment signage anything like that um, so that's the source of funding for the trail besides what the county takes in in trail fees. Um, if people want to donate directly to, we just we just call it the volunteer group. So we have white envelopes that the tra- trail had. Um, we kind of target hikers because they don't pay a trail fee. So if you like hiking here, 
put a few bucks in the volunteer envelope, drop it in the box, and then that money goes to us. Um, but mountain bikers can do that too if they want to put a little extra in there because the trail fee goes to the county for everything that they've done here too. Yeah, can we? I want to. I want to clarify that because <laughs> I I just want to clarify trail fees mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Uh, some places don't have it. Some places do have it. Trail fees go to the county, right? And some of that may get back to the trail, right? But it's to the county. Mm-hmm. Those funds, I'm not just talking about Levis because I don't know the financial situation of Levis. But in a lot of cases, those funds are not enough to make a trail evolve and grow. Maybe just sustain. So some of the other things that Steve are talking about, supporting events here, you can directly, and this is might be in your own trails at your own home too. If it support their events, because a lot of times that money goes to that club, and they are going to take that money and put it directly into oh, your trail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's not to dog on trail. I mean, I just want to clarify to people that, like, sometimes trail builders, you may see all these people putting money, but they may not be getting that money, right. or at least they're only getting a portion of that. And if you believe in a trail system at your home here outside of Nielsville, wherever, support that trail Group maybe is what I'm saying more than anything because right. those are the people you should trust to keep curating your trails. Right. And, Sorry to deviate. From no, that. no, that's, that's. I think that's a clarification for people right. is they don't understand necessarily why they're paying or what they're paying for, and um, that's you know it's it's pretty you know if you want these trails to be you and everyone else needs to support them. Right, and yeah. and it's and it's twofold because. Yes, the the money that goes into your trail fee goes to the county, and it might not be spent here. I wish it did because we would financially be really great, really great, right. if every dollar we took in here. But um, when the county sees that X number of dollars were taken in during a year, they can justify spending money here. Right. All they have which, to show is this is a right. place to spend and money, which is hugely important. You know, if if we didn't have people paying that trail fee, they're going to see the usership here you know, not maybe worthwhile sticking a building up, you know, like right. we have, or buying a new groomer or whatever. Um, but you're also right, the the money that we raise in events or the donation envelopes go directly into to us and then into the trail. Um, this build, the new building cost $24,000 more, and that was raised all by donations, fundraisers, races. Um, you know, that was all over the top of what, the county put back into rebuilding this place. So 24,000 is a lot for a very rural, small place. And uh, we were ecstatic, but the improvements um, have made this place much better. Well, I think that was a testament to what the trail is too, right? Like when that happened, I heard from people everywhere. Right. That (laughs) wanted to support Levis Tro. And that's what you want. Community of cyclists, uh, breeding new cyclists, all this stuff. I think, it all comes uh, when you build these places. If you build it, they will come. I live yeah. in Iowa. No, and that's that. – <laughs> I, 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 was, I was shocked that, you know, these people from way outside the area donating money for the, the building project. Right. I mean, it, it just was phenomenal. And how quickly it, it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, this I is a special place, though. You know, this is a, this is a spot that has – Big predators, you know. There's bears and wolves. <laughs> Steve and, tracks and, wolves. We and, don't even. That's not even applicable. And mountain lions here that in in Wisconsin. So it it's a special wild place that uh, 
places like this need to exist. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, you know, when I mention the Central Forest region, people don't think of this area as they think of, you know, Shawamigan Forest. Yeah, that's up north. But you know, the Central Forest region is geographically as big as that, and it comes right through the center of the state. It's all public land. Um, national federal lands state lands and county lands and it's a huge swath of property that we are lucky to have you know that hopefully be here forever yeah i'm lucky you have it too because <laughs> i love riding here yeah me too <laughs> i've got to say steve i really uh you know it was a good excuse to drive up here to good. get to chat with you but i do appreciate you coming here and meeting with us and and chatting and and all the rides you've taken me on here to show me uh, the multitude of things here that have, you know, every time I get here, if my wife, she's like, uh, are you supposed to be here? And I'm like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, so I do appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate everyone else for listening to this podcast here on fat-bike.com, the number one place for fat bike things, or if it's a beautiful summer day, mountain bike things, gravel things, maybe some adventure things coming up. Uh, maybe some food things, you know. I spend some time in the kitchen. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's amblake50. Fatbike.com on Instagram is going to get you a bunch of stuff. Facebooks, all those, uh, the socials is the kids. <laughs> I don't know if the kids call them that. I don't know the kids. Very We're well. thinking about TikTok. Well, well, maybe, <laughs> hey, spoil, second spoiler of the, of the podcast. Maybe TikToking in the future. We don't even know. Everybody take it easy. Go ride your mountain bike on local trails. Go support your local trail advocacy group. If you get a chance and you're anywhere near near Hatfield, Nielsville area, come check out Levis Trail Mounds. Say hi to Steve. He's here almost all the time. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll check back with you after a while.